Hi, I'm Heidi, and this is Social Distancing. Episode 13, Straw and Stucco. This is my friend, Heidi. Heidi grew up in the small, idyllic town of Eureka Springs in northwest Arkansas, about an hour outside of Fayetteville. You know, I grew up in a town of 2,000 people and graduated in a class of 36, and my parents own a health food store. So, of course, I have a million stories that I could tell just from growing up there. Do you say... A graduating class of 36? 36. Wow. Was that <laughs> yeah. public school or private school? Public school. The only one. Oh, wow. That's wild. I, I went to a public school, too, and my graduating class was 64, and I thought that was pretty crazy. See, and I get that all the time. People are like, oh, you went to a small high school? Uh, how, how small was it? And I say 36, and they're like, oh, mine was 60, and I think that's small. <laughs> Currently, Heidi is a broadcast journalism student at the University of Arkansas. And in August, Heidi will become the director of strategic media for all student media at the university. Heidi told me she's always been a very determined and driven student. As ambitious as I am, I was president of almost every club, literally National Honor Society, Rotary Interact Club, the senior class. I mean, I really did it all because, you know, what else was there to do? <laughs> the drive and ambition are certainly a genetic trait. She tells me the story of her parents. Megan and Sam Kirk. Um, and I have two sisters. Um, so that's our Kirk family of five. Megan, Sam, Chloe, Amber, and Heidi. I'm the oldest. I have always admired them because they just have such a perfect love story. But to kind of start out with them, they both grew up in Wichita, Kansas, which is where my grandparents still live, both sets. And they met junior year of high school in an English class <laughs> way back when. I won't out them on the <laughs> how old they are. <laughs> So they had their first date on September 27th, 1986. So if you really want to do the math, you can there. <laughs> um, but of course, they dated from junior year on and then college came and they did have to break up. And my dad went to University of Tampa in Florida. So quite a trek down there. And then my mom went to KU, University of Kansas. Why did they have to break up? I think they were just ambitious. Um, I mean, my dad... He went to study biology and wanted to be a, a brain surgeon, actually. And they have a great program for that down in Tampa. So he just, you know, packed up and went. My mom stayed closer to home, of course. But I think they both kind of had the mentality that they weren't going to let, like, their ambition, um, like a relationship, stop them from that, which I, I admire. So they took that break and they actually didn't talk for seven years, which always amazes me. <laughs> seven years. Didn't write letters? They didn't do anything? Nothing. I mean, they didn't huh. have cell phones, anything like that <laughs> for seven years. So seven years later, my dad picks up his phone and calls her parents' house in Kansas. Her parents' house. And they pick up and, you know, they always loved my dad. But surprised, to say the least, that he's calling seven years later. And, of course, she didn't live there anymore. She'd actually gone on and uh, lived in North Carolina and was working at a nature center. And so when he calls, of course, her parents gave him her number and he called her. Basically, the way she describes it is that she packed up, went down to Florida for a visit and ended up wanting to stay, which I can't even imagine what 
that was like to get a call from your high school sweetheart seven years later and picked up and moved down there. So, and then of course the story goes, they got married actually 20 years from their first date, which is kind of a, a sweet little fact. So they started to look for places to live and a little bit of a backstory. My grandparents, my dad's parents, Skay and Albert Kirk, they owned a lake house in Shell Knob, Missouri. So literally middle of nowhere. I don't know if you've heard of it. I haven't. <laughs> very, very, very small. Um, and so they spent, I mean, all of their teen years going to the lake and staying at that lake house. And so they started to look for houses around that area. But of course, you know, Shell Knob was literally middle of nowhere. I mean, there's like a grocery store and that's it. And they wanted something a little bit more substantial than that. They start looking around and they end up in Eureka, which is somewhere that they did vacation when they were younger and just fell in love with it. And they looked at property and they found 20 acres, um, middle of nowhere, down in a literal holler, um, (laughs) just all woods. And here's the kicker there was no house there (laughs) and my dad my dad decides to build one (laughs) great idea right (laughs) I mean our property is beautiful like I said 20 acres and we have a cave on the property as well as a creek so that's where I grew up on these you know 20 acres of woods but my dad built this house and he literally built it out of straw bale and stucco (laughs) um I know. <laughs> wow. He have any like experience built like any sort of like engineering Nothing. or architectural You know what experience? he said he did? He checked out a book from the library. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh my God. That is such a 90s thing to do. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? That always, it always gets me. He builds this house and I'm actually proud to say as a baby, I got to stuff some straw into the wall that was part of my room growing up. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I know. In Eureka, to make it, most of the people that live there either own a store or they work in a bank. And that's the truth. My dad has an undergrad degree in biology and psychology. (laughs) And my mom, her undergrad was in cultural anthropology and psychology. Oh my gosh. So what are you going to do with that in Eureka? (laughs) (laughs) They were looking through a newspaper for jobs, which... When does that happen anymore? I'm sure never. And what came up was there was a health food store for sale in Eureka. So neither of them really had a background in that. My mom worked in, I think, two health food stores just back in Kansas when she was there. I mean, they were always healthy and active, but never had any sort of background in it. So they got this health food store. They bought it. Since then, of course, we've moved locations and we've had it for 20 years now. And they always say they did like $500 a day. They would do about $500 a day in sales. And now, you know, of course, that's what we do in an hour. So we've grown quite a bit. (laughs) And I always ask them, I'm like, did you know it was going to make it? Did you think it was going to succeed? And they're like, we had no idea. No idea. I mean, it was just a shot in the dark. Yeah. What did they have to lose, though? (laughs) I mean, exactly. Not much. I mean, they just they wanted to start fresh. And my dad, he has a background in businesses because that's what his parents did. Other than that, they really didn't know anything. I worked in the health food store all growing up. I mean, there's pictures of me in there when I was two. And then I was stocking the shelves and then eventually a cashier. And now I do some managerial things for them. But I grew up, you know, behind that counter. I feel like I gained so much from 
growing up that way. I mean, I gained A, so much experience and B, just have such a support system. I mean, here's kind of a funny aside, but anytime I go back home and walk in the store, I at least once will have someone come up and embrace me and be like, oh, hi, Heidi. And I have no idea who they are, (laughs) but it's someone that will just have seen me since I was two in there. And so, you know, everyone there supports me. school I was really involved in theater and that's actually kind of how I got into journalism is I was always loving to be on stage and in front of cameras and so I did that you know all throughout elementary middle school and then high school I was always involved in theater and in high school I had a my theater teacher his name was Mr. Man so there was Mr. Man and there was Mrs. Man and she taught theater in elementary and middle school and he taught the high school so I had him all four years of high school and really became to know him really well Um, and I don't know if you've heard of the passion play have you no so it is it's actually like the number one outdoor attraction in the United States. It's it's wild. It's it basically is a play and it's like the resurrection and crucifixion story of Christ and people come from all over to see this. And Mr. Man, he actually played Jesus in the Passion Play for the longest time. And he, I mean, is like picture perfect with like the the long hair. And he, I mean, he looks like Jesus, to be honest. So he played Jesus forever, but Whenever I knew him, he'd actually switched over and started playing Satan, which is kind of a funny thing. I know. So he eventually, you know, retired. And that was what he stepped down to when he was too old to play Jesus. And we, of course, went to see the Passion Play a million times. I mean, most people that think about Eureka, that's one of the things they talk about. Senior year, I was in A Christmas Carol. And I was the narrator. And basically, I was on stage almost the entire time, kind of just narrating the story. And Miss Man, Mr. Man's wife, she was always our stage manager. So she would always be backstage behind the scenes helping out with something or another. But I'm going to kind of paint a picture in your head. Mr. Man was like 6'2", 6'4", I mean, like a big, tall guy. And Miss Man was like five feet tall. I mean, just like absolutely (laughs) tiny. I mean, it's ridiculous. You would see them together and he would always have to bend down just to hear her. She was backstage during A Christmas Carol. And I was, like I said, out on the stage most of the time. But I had to make this really quick change where I went from one end of the stage all the way backstage and I came in on the right side. And it was literally like... Like I had to get there in like 40 seconds. So I really had to haul it. The time comes and I start on one side and I'm running backstage and it's really dark and I get back there and I'm about to come on. Like I hear like my cue line and I'm about to make my way onto the stage. And there's something right where I need to be. Like I had to go around the curtain and go on and I'd done it a million times before and I see this like big figure. I'm like, what is that? And I look down and it's really dark, like I said, and 
this woman turns around and it's Miss Man and she's wearing a headlamp on her forehead and she looks up at me and of course I'm pretty tall and she's very short and she looks right up at me with this huge headlamp and blinds me. Oh gosh. <laughs> and so then I have to stumble on stage. <laughs> First of all, I come on pretty late because I'm tripping and stumbling and blind because <laughs> of course the stage lights are one thing but yeah. then you get a headlamp there and <laughs> it really took get out of me um, so I'm, I make my way onto stage but they were quite the duo Mr. and Mrs. Mann and I, you know I worked with them all through high school and really wonderful sweet people the dynamic between him being so tall and her being so short is, is fantastic do they have any children they do they have I think three maybe four kids and they are all musically talented and theatrical and really wonderful people are they all six three or are they all five two <laughs> <laughs> it, it's funny right actually they're all kind of in the middle oh, there funny you go. Enough. <laughs> Which, they, they probably got the best of both worlds <laughs> yeah that's hilarious we also we would make fun of them in high school because the first day of mr man's class you would go in and he shows a powerpoint of every member of his family and of course I was in his class every single year and so we always make the joke that anyone that took Mr. Mann's classes more than once you can recite that PowerPoint <laughs> word for word. <laughs> when we think about people who are stuck at home and they're they're getting anxious or they're feeling isolated what advice do you have for people who are participating in social distancing right now? I have so much. <laughs> I am such an extrovert. I am always away from my apartment. I spend very little time at home. I'm always a go-getter. I always have so many things in my planner. And some days I am literally gone from 7 a.m. to 11 o'clock at night. The first couple weeks, I felt really sorry for myself and, you know, sat around and kind of waited for this to end. And I, I quickly realized this is not going to end anytime soon. So I immediately made a list and it was a very momentous time for me because I sat down and I put check boxes and color coordinated and got on the Internet and looked up, you know, crafts to do different podcasts to listen to, books to read, ways to stay active, and I built those into my schedule. And I think the best piece of advice that I can give for people like me is create a structure. So now, you know, I wake up, even though I don't have a lot of things to put in my planner, I look at my planner, I have always filled that in with different things that I want to get done that day. And I have a master checklist of things I want to do, you know, throughout the summer, different projects, and I make sure to stick to that schedule. And for the most part, I do. And even though most days that schedule looks like wake up, make a smoothie, sit on the porch for an hour. To me, that's not much of a, a schedule or something that I normally do. But just the fact that I have it written down and I make it happen really helps. And, you know, even though it is hard for me as an extrovert and such a go-getter, I've found a lot of good come out of this. And it has been nice to take a step back and listen to all the podcasts that I've wanted to and read the books that aren't just textbooks for school and organize my closet. And, you know, I, I think at the end of this, I'll be able to look back and see all the boxes that I checked off. And I think that that will be a very good feeling. Heidi, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate this. Yes, of course. I'm so glad to do it. If you have an extra minute, 
It would really mean a lot to me if you shared this podcast with your friends on social media. My hope with this show is that I can bring just a little bit of joy and inspiration to the world. And if you've experienced that yourself, I hope you'll let people know. Thanks for listening. We'll have a new episode up on Wednesday.